This week on How to Be 60, best-selling author Cathy Lett on why she loves being 60 and why she'll never have plastic surgery. So I don't see them for a few weeks and I see these breasts coming down the high uh-huh. and then they've got the lips, you know that lips where they get the silicone yeah. It looks like they've got a vagina sutured to their face. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> they, take, they take the fat out of their bottoms and inject it into their lips so they're literally talking out of their ass. I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. So hold your nose and open wide, everyone. It's time for your weekly dose of How to Be 60 with me, senior age consultant, Kay Adams, and my trusty auxiliary, Karen McKenzie. Hold your nose. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I run out of intros. What can I say? I thought, you know, my perfume or something <laughs> weird like that. No, it's I you have having... I've discovered a new one. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. That... It's, a, it's on my jumper. That's why I go in like that. It's a Joe Malone and it's a silver birch and lavender and it's gorgeous. Do you know, I'm just thinking, if you go into like an expensive perfume haul, you know, have you ever seen somebody come up to you and say, do you want to sniff in my jumper? This is really lovely. Well, it's a first. Do you want to sniff your jumper? <laughs> I don't want to sniff your jumper. Anyway, I'm just saying it's lovely. Hold your nose. Well, I've never had an intro like that before. There there we are. I thought you were going to get annoyed at me for calling you an auxiliary. I was deliberately trying God, to bait you there. This, this goes back to me only half listening to what you say. I know. Or only listening to half of what you say. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, here's me thinking, how can I get it, Karen? How can I needle her? How can I get a reaction out of her? And actually, you're dead behind the eyes and you're not even bloody listening to me. There is half of that and the other half is is like if I don't understand what you're talking about I then begin to panic and then just I do kind you? Of, yes yeah I used to get that on when we'd be live on air and think oh fuck what on earth you going to ask me and then I just blank and then I don't even listen and then it's awful I don't it's, ask anything complicated to me well it's all debatable but uh, just sometimes it's personal and I, I think oh god anyway let's move on with the intro oh this I think just... I think I've I think I've um, scratched a little wound haven't I <laughs> a wound yes there's something <laughs> there to return to can be good well actually you annoyed the hell out of me yesterday twice why what the hell did I do because you sent me a picture of your oat cakes oh I did and I didn't have my contact lenses in I couldn't work out what the hell it was I thought what is this is it a piece of contemporary art I thought no, it's Karen. What can it be? Eventually, I, I thought, what's she sending me oat cakes for? I was in a bad mood anyway, to be fair. So that annoyed me. And God, then you sent another text saying that you're all excited about something marvellous that had happened. And then you revealed it was you had new raised beds in the garden. Yeah. Yeah, they're brilliant. Okay, and that probably hell. is because I'm slightly older and they're actually higher. They're probably a bit oh, now. stop it. Two feet, maybe two and a half feet high is great. It's great. So I've put back in my lettuces and things that are still got to grow um, over it. the winter. Stop it. We've, we've got anyway, best selling go? author Kathy Lett waiting to speak to her, and I'm looking out the she corner loves of my a eye. Van. She is bored as shit already, and she is about to walk off. Can I just take you back to the first thing that pissed you off that I said? Your oat cakes. Who sends anyone pictures of oat cakes? It's because Excuse you rattled me. me. You called me a divot or something like that. But you were being a divot. Why was I being a divot? I can't remember. Why were you Actually, being a divot? I just remembered. I know, I, let me check I, no, I know because you I was supposed to be on divot. jury duty. Oh, just don't tell anyone that. No, well, I've just come Shh. back. God, sorry. You don't go in public about escaping jury duty and telling lies. Never go public about that. It wasn't that. a lie. No. Well, mm-hmm. Um, do you know what I was doing this morning? I was interviewing in on the radio a 60-year-old beauty queen. 
oh god, I meant to listen to that and I forgot. Yeah. And um, it was was she beautiful? Was she in the studio? Was he? You shouldn't ask. Was she beautiful? Oh, just when you say beauty queen, I suppose I just. I suppose yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'll give you that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. You're right on it, aren't you? <laughs> 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 no, really... oh, you're not very PC, Karen. You've just said you film. It's not about being beauty. I know. Listen, oh, I'm going to apologise to everyone. I am in a film mood. I, I really do apologise. Can we go now? Um, no, it really perplexed me, though, because she was um, a woman who had entered a beauty pageant along with her daughter, who was, I don't know, 30 or something, and they had a classic division. Right, um, and so oh, this is for the the mum goes into the classic decision. Oh my which God, like a classic car! It did, did make you think of that. She's a really nice woman, really nice woman. <laughs> my natural position is, I probably don't like beauty contests because I probably don't like women being agreement. evaluated mm-hmm. on their looks first mm-hmm. and foremost. Um, so I start from that position. But actually, the way she explained it, I thought was really interesting, that at 60, she had four children, of which her mm-hmm. daughter was one, obviously. Um, she'd run a business, um, you know, brought up her kids, obviously committed to her family. Um, I think they'd had illness in the family, et cetera, et cetera. And this was her time to focus on herself, to feel good about herself, to be sort of applauded and held and celebrated by other people. She said it was a really sort of supportive environment, that beauty pageant environment, not Mm. competitive, but Mm. they all, a sisterhood, she described it as. Um, And I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe I get that. Because I do think a lot of women, once they get to, and I hate to use the phrase, a certain age, but a certain stage in life, mm. um, start to feel a bit kind of downtrodden. And maybe if this was her way of feeling that, you know, she was centre stage and she was taking time for herself, then why the hell not? Mm. It does come back to the same, the, the beauty thing again, though. You're not going to be. You're not going to get on that if unless you're off a certain look. I don't think. Yeah, well, but she enjoyed being of that. See, that's the thing. Some women enjoy being of that look, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying being of that look. I mean, but look, it's not very inclusive, us. is it? We're like a. No, bag. hang on, hang on a minute. Oh, come on, let's be honest. Do you know what I think? Do you know what when I came come in, on. you look like be you've honest. got a rip in the top of your jumper. This is a stylistic detail. <laughs> it's got a rip right round. No, it's a stylistic detail in the collar. You've just got to, anyway, let's not abuse each other. We, should, we need to stop this. You need to be nice to me and then you'll do. get back what you give. We need we need therapy. We re, we're going to have to up our game speaking today. Myself. As I say, we're speaking to best-selling author. I'm very Knight. excited about this. Uh, so am I. Published Puberty Blues. I think she was 21. She'll probably correct. So I think 2021 smash hit, um, you know, from the get-go uh-huh. and, uh, you know, movie made of it. And she has written bestseller after bestseller ever since. Um, she's got a contact book that Jackie Anassas would have killed for. Um, she has <laughs> yes. already told us she's a personal friend of Billy Only and we are struggling to get over that (laughs) as Scottish people because we don't think it's fair that Australian people should be friendly with Billy Connolly and bloody Annie Lennox. I mean, Jesus, God. Yeah, Jesus. She's always immaculately dressed. I hope, uh, let's just hope the camera fails and she can't see us. Um, um, And, uh, but like you, Mm. she likes a camper van. No, she's not going to like a camper van, for God's sake. No. Oh, yes, she doesn't like camper van. That's all shaking her head. I'm amazing. Yes. Everyone is coming out. Like, I love camper vans. Thank God Kathy Lett doesn't like camper vans. Um, no, she's one of four sisters. Yes. Like you. Yes. Um, and she says that life only gets better after 60, which I suppose... Does is, it? Is, well, is that not what you think? Uh, well, certainly from the point of view that I'm no longer working. 
Yeah. Yes. So yeah. yes, for me, it certainly did get better after 60. Well, you're happy as shit in your raised bed. I am. As pig and shit as I said on my text. Yeah. I am absolutely. Has jigsaw season started yet? <laughs> It, it, it started briefly on the table, but then somebody was coming in for their dinner, so I had to kind of collapse it and put it away again. So I think, really, because albeit the days are now shorter, the weather is still quite. So it's still listening, now. still listening. The weather's still quite nice, so I'll park them just for the minute. Okay. Well, everyone who listens regularly, we've got that to look forward to. Jigsaw season is not yet upon us. Mm-hmm. Right. A couple of emails, and then we'll speak to Kathy. Uh, I love this one from Carol, and I'm actually going to try and get Carol on the line. Um, greetings to you from sunny Orkney. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, that must have been a freak day. Which, funnily enough, I put into, I was typing that and uh, autocorrected to horny, <laughs> which makes it even better. So, greetings to you from sunny horny. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it autocorrects to, to words that you frequently use. Well, you've no idea how often a word called C, beginning with C, comes up on my autocorrect, I can tell you. And if you put in ant, you'll know exactly the one I mean. Anyway, the big thing is, Carol's birthday is today. The day we are recording this is the 1st of November. Carol's birthday is today. Aww. She is the big 6 Oh, well, by the time this goes out, happy belated birthday, Kat. She says, no, we're going to give a ring. I'm really looking forward to the big number. Free bus pass. <laughs> she says, I never go anywhere by bus, by hey-ho. I'm not taking it. Uh, I've worked in education here in Horney, Orkney, uh, for 40 years, but done all sorts of things along with it. Um, my 60 story, though, is last week. This is interesting. Uh-huh. I've gone into full nesting mode. Which only happened once before, 32 years ago, when I had my son. I'm having a massive clear out of stuff. Love it. Letters. Love it. Um, If it uh, hadn't moved or been useful for a while, it's getting the big heave hole, heading to the charity shop. My hall looks like a jumble sale. Where does all it come from? Clothes, kitchen gadgets. Uh, My son calls the kitchen the gadget graveyard, dishes, picture frame stuff. My aim would be a feng shui paradise, but I know that in my real world that will never happen. But hey ho, uh, until then. Then um, she says, I love the podcast. My only worry is what happens when I get to 61. Will it still be all right to listen to them? Of course it will, Carol. Um, and she signs at 59 uh, and 358 days in <laughs> Orkney slash Horney, though it's now the, the big day. Right, we're phoning Carol. <clears throat> Hello. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Carol. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Good afternoon to you. How are you? We're very well. This is Kay here and Carol. <laughs> so you know who it I is. I recognise the voices. Well, this is Carol. So <laughs> nice to speak to you. So 60 today, Carol. 60 today, Kay. How's it feeling? And I seem, well, I'm just sitting here. I'm sitting at my sitting room window looks out in Scarpa Flow. And I am just sitting here contemplating life thinking... I think I still feel fine. I think I'm still holding together. <laughs> Nothing's fallen off. Nothing's actually dropped off that I can see. <laughs> I managed. I managed to cut my finger a wee while ago on an envelope opening a card. But you know these things happen. Do you know what I mean? But these things happen. But apart from that, I still seem to have all my body parts. I've got legs, feet, <laughs> arms, nails, ears. I can still speak, and I speak a lot. Obviously, I'm kind of like you guys. I do a lot of talking, and. Um, yeah, I think it's okay, Kay. You're going to be okay in December, Kay. You're going to be fine. But I get what you mean, Carol, because it's such you know a milestone, isn't it? That I can't imagine waking up in that morning thinking, well, "Is there anything different?" I, I don't know. I know. I know. How do you, you know? I was reading. Sorry. 
going, sorry, I was reading an article on um, line, was it yesterday morning when I got up, I sit and do all the reading of newspapers and stuff in the morning, and I was reading an article and there were some people had put comments on it about, and it was about being 60, and uh, somebody had really written, seriously had written, well, you know, it really is downhill from now, that's it, um, everything starts failing and, you know, life's not the same, and I thought, oh, for the love of goodness, and I'm not like that at all, I'm like you guys, I'm all up there and happening, and, you know, it's just, I'm really, I'm really happy about being 60, um, I know you've been a bit dodgy, I know, Kay, you've been a bit dodgy about your age over the years, haven't you? I have, I have, Carol, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to get better, and, you know, it's, I know, good, you see- it's good. Good, and, and that's good. I have that talent. Um, when, um, you know, I, I know I realise, because I know you've been sort of, well, I'm not, I'm not really saying what age I'm, but I've always said, and when it's been my 59th birthday, when I get past June of that year, like that last year, I was 59, obviously, and then by June this year, if anybody asked me what my age was, I always say I'm nearly 60. Oh, that's a bit far, Carol. You know, <laughs> I know, I know. My, da- my daughter-in-law, Tess, always goes to me, if she's with me, she goes, she's not 60. She's not 60 till November. I don't know why she says this. She's not 60. So I've always got this thing. I don't think I'll do that now, though. Because no. I, mi- I don't think in the middle of next year I'll be going, I'm 61. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so what are you going to do today? Are you going to celebrate? Are you going to let it go quiet? What are you going to do? Today I got up. I had a few phone calls. I went and got my nails done. I've got lovely black sparkly nails with my black sparkly personality I've got white hair doesn't go with anything and uh, then I have had a couple of friends around there's been a few deliveries of flowers champagne cards lots of things like that happening presents and I think there's 12 of us going out for dinner tonight nice that sounds lovely yes so that's what's happening today so it's all very good and you know and I went to bed singing the theme from how to be sexy. <laughs> a lot of people don't like Well, <laughs> I, I got up in the middle of the night, I got and I, I was I went to the loo in the middle of the night and I'm still sitting on the bloody toilet going, I'm wondering how to be sexy. It's clearing the shit out of me. And I woke up again this morning. Yeah, exactly, the right place. And then I woke up this morning again. I'm bloody singing the song, make my cup of coffee. I'm like, it's like a wee anthem. Wow. That's <laughs> uh, a mirror isn't it? Whoa. Oh, I'm obsessed. Anyway, I really enjoy the podcast. I've been following you from the since the start, obviously. Oh. And uh, I'm really... I'm really pleased you phoned me today, so that's really, really Aww. good. Yeah, super. It's lovely to speak to you. I don't think you're going to have any problems on how to be 60. Thanks for taking our call, Carol, because most people hang up on us. And, uh... <laughs> well, I wouldn't do that for you, not at all. No, 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 no. Have a wonderful day. And, and listen, thanks for listening to the podcast. Oh, yes, thank Appreciate you for your support. It. Oh, I love it. It's brilliant. Yeah, take good care, both of you. And I'll right. see you hopefully Enjoy soon. your birthday. Bye. Enjoy your day. Bye. Right. Thanks, guys. Bye, Bye now. Bye. 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 Um, interesting the big clear out I'm Uh, putting that down to talk about in another day whether or not something happens happens when you are 60 or when you give up work right well it seems to be a very good time to say hello to Cathy doesn't it Uh, hi there Cathy how are you Hello. I've been loving this conversation. It's been so hard to bite my tongue. I mean, <laughs> really? Sunny, sunny, horny. Now that's <laughs> I can't believe you're wasting a raised bed on on pot pot, pot plants. Where we, I could think of something much more fun to do on a raised bed, couldn't you? In Scotland, in winter, in the rainy days, no. We have to have a lot of sex in Scotland to stave off hypothermia. <laughs> Well, see, I think you've got the wrong idea of what a raised bed is, Kathy. <laughs> Unless you like found... a, a hospital bed. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I don't do gardening. The only uh, soiled reputations—that's that's sowing oh, yeah. wild oats, 
sowing plantations of wild oats. That's what I like. <laughs> well, uh, so you like to get really mucky when you get mucky then? I do like to get mucky, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Down and dirty. Okay. And the last thing about being over 60, of course, is why I think women come into their sexual prime over 60, is because you no longer care what you look like. You know, you're just so much more confident in your skin. Well. And you're more confident to ask for what you want. This has got to be directed directly at Kay. Are you listening, Kay? Because right. coming up in December, Kay will be 60. It's the best. Well, but see, the thing is, Kathy, um, uh, if that is the way that you are, I think that is an absolutely wonderful thing. I'm not convinced it is what happens to all women when they get to that age. Funnily enough, I was just speaking about it last week. We had Heather Small on last week. And oh, I won't bore you with the backstory. I'll just try and cut to the chase. Um, you know the whole thing about men being with younger women, whereas women aren't perhaps comfortable with younger men. Um I was saying that as an older woman, I would never, ever dream of sleeping with a younger guy because I I wouldn't be confident enough. I would think that he would be saying, pass the sick bag, Alice. Oh, gosh, what are we going to do with your self-esteem? I'm going to get you to a self-esteem gym and, and give you a workout. <laughs> I mean, okay. A big workout. Yeah. I mean, first of all, dimmer switch, greatest beauty aid known to woman. <laughs> also, love is blind. It proceeds by a sense of touch. But come on, it's not love. If you just want a shag, it's not love. Well, that has its place in the, in the carnal menu, you know. <laughs> carnal menu. <laughs> and I would say, look, I think what you say about some older women not feeling confident in their bodies is true, but for the, all the women I know who are taking HRT, which is like hormonal rocket fuel, <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I would highly recommend HRT. I don't know if you, you you're taking it or whether you've gone down that path, but I think it's it's the female friendly hormone. If you think about menopause in evolutionary terms, it's a very new phenomenon because when human beings were first, you know, evolving, everyone was dead by about thirty two. Mm. So in evolutionary terms, menopause is really quite new. So it's all kind of new terrain. Um, and, and now, of course, longevity. We last for so long as well that why wouldn't you want to keep taking the hormones that make you give you back your mojo and make you feel the way you used to feel? And now they've taken away a lot of those cancer scares that they used to think it would increase your chance of getting breast cancer. That's debunked now. You know, you've got to check on ovarian cancer every couple of years, have a scan or whatever. But otherwise, I love it and I highly recommend it. Well, it's so funny you say <laughs> that because our Karen here is a recent convert to the HRT course. What was that, about six weeks ago? So no, our... it wasn't six weeks ago. It was, so don't be asking me whether it's changed yet. Well, no, come it, on. We want to know four... whether it's sexual rocket fuel. It's under it's under four weeks. In fact, I've got to go and pick up my next prescription on my way home today. Um, I think it's helping me sleep better. However, in terms of the sex area, right, Stephen has had this bloody cough for God knows. It, it's just been... So I took off for 10 days. And since I've come back, he's been pushed out to the other bedroom because all I'm getting is... And that oh, is so wow. not sexy. So there's no way. So whether my estrogen levels are up here or whatever it is, they've not been put into action for about four weeks. So we'll just need to wait until the cold has gone. It's not working. <laughs> but listen, can I can I just check, Kathy? See when you went on to HRT, did whatever you were given first of all, did that work, or did you have to get things tinkered with to to get the dosage yeah. right? 
that's what's so annoying about the whole HRT um, is that because, you know, the medical profession predominantly male, they give every woman the same patch. And, of course, every woman is different. It should be bespoke. So I went and got a blood test, found out where my hormone levels were, and everything was out of whack. And so I don't take the patch. I take I have a little squirt of estrogen gel every day. I take a progesterone pill at night to help me sleep, mm-hmm. and a little dab of testosterone, you know, just to get – because women have testosterone as well. And then after menopause, it, you know, sometimes those – levels completely disappear which is when you feel lethargic and kind of bit down and you lose your self-esteem so you know you've got to you've got to get the concoction right but i i mean i'm highly recommend it for just giving you back your mojo did it give you your mojo back did your mojo go away at all Yes, it did, of course, with the menopause. And it's just, you know, as I said, more proof that God's a bloke. Yeah, I mean, your energy goes and your self-esteem sings sort of limbo low, kind of lower than Kim Kardashian's bikini line, which is quite low. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, it took me a while to realise that it was the menopause because I'm 64 now, so this was in my early 50s. People weren't talking about it as openly as we do now because, you know, my generation demanded that people talk about it. And we... you know, it's awful. Suddenly you're sweating so much as like the Gestapo is trying to get a confession out of you. <laughs> weather. Um, and, yeah, so, so then I asked my girl, my older women friends and they all, you know, you know, they talk about the change, you know, whispering in a dark corner as though Voldemort was coming. Oh, the change is coming, you know. But when I found out they were all seeing getting their hormones tweaked and taking HRT, of course I tried it and immediately felt that I was just back I thought, oh, I'm back. I'm myself, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally recommended. I wrote a book called HRT, Husband (laughs) Replacement Therapy. (laughs) Women also, you know, once they get on the HRT, they do tend to have a husbandectomy as well. (laughs) But I I think that's also explained a bit by the hormonal changes because, of course, what happens to women, as I'm sure you've discussed many times on the program after menopause, is that, your estrogen goes down and your testosterone comes up a little bit, but for generally speaking, but for men, the opposite's true. So their testosterone goes down and their estrogen comes up, which is why the two chief times for divorce are when um, the last child finishes school or when the husband retires. Most divorce is initiated by women now because men and women at that age want different things. I mean, women taking HRT, like I want to climb Everest and I want to go down the Amazon and men, they retire and they think, I just want to nest at home. You know, women are like, I've nested, you know, I've baked 4,000 flocks of lamb and buttered millions of acres of toast and you know, cooked, you know, so whatever. I mean, I just want to, you know, cut the psychological umbilical cord that's tethered me to the kitchen um, for all these years, you know. So I think that's something we have to address. And that people, doctors are now thinking the big new area of medicine is going to be hormonal uh, help for men, giving them some testosterone to get them back to feeling themselves. So it's an interesting area. Well, yeah, funnily enough, in a few weeks, we've got Tracy Cox, who's a fellow uh, Antipodean. Yeah, um, I've got her number. Have you got her number, Kathy? Maybe I've got her number and you don't. <laughs> uh, but we're going to be talking about these things. And one of them is, you know, erectile dysfunction. We speak a lot about women going off sex and, you know, losing their mojo, et cetera, et cetera. But we don't tend to talk about the other side quite so much. And it does take two to tango. But anyway, just a couple of things I wanted to pick up with you there. Um I don't know if you heard me talking about my lady who's a 60-year-old beauty queen. Um, And I I guess that was what kind of 
discombobulated me a little bit from a position of, oh, I don't really like the idea of beauty queens, that I could see that this woman really felt that this was time for her, which fits in with what you were saying there. Um, and also you had a husbandectomy yourself, didn't you? Was that related to the menopause? Oh, I think it probably was. Yeah, I did have a husbandectomy, but remained friends. I don't think, I don't see divorce as a failure. I just see it as a change. Um, and I think you should try and salvage a friendship if you can. Of course you can, because there's something about that person you loved and that they loved about you. And that is still there. And yeah, I think you have to work hard to find that and then nurture it. So, um, you know, if you think, and also, you know, as we were saying earlier, Marriages last so long now because we live to <laughs> Oh, I know. <laughs> From honeymoon to two, 60, 70 years. That's a long time to find someone's anecdotes interesting. You know? So true, isn't it? So, so I don't think it's a disgrace to, to have the courage to try and change, shift gear and change your life. No, not a disgrace, but was it not daunting? It was daunting. It was daunting. And and I think I wouldn't have done it without HRT because it gave me gave me the oomph to I knew I was unhappy and 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 it just gave me the oomph to go through with it. So yeah, and we're really good friends. We see each other all the time. The kids are happy. I've got a lovely younger man now. When I say younger, he's only like eight years younger. Mm-hmm. He bores me, doesn't bore me, does all my chores for me. Fabulous. <laughs> Um, a classical guitarist, so digital digital dexterity, that's good too. <laughs> He's good with his hands. <laughs> yeah, got to get it out there. Um, so you you said you were uh, unhappy, so you took a big decision to, to to end that relationship, though absolutely I hear that you're, you're still friends and it was very amicable and parents, et cetera, et cetera. But at that stage you didn't know what you were going to I mean, no. It's nice you have a relationship now that you're very happy with, but yeah. that moment, and we've had lots of emails in on this subject of of women who probably get to that stage that you know they don't want to hear that story anymore, and it's just kind of run out of road. But yeah. taking that leap, it's a big old yeah. leap. It is a big old leap, but you know, I, I think I've I, I know women who are lonelier within a marriage mm. than my mm. friends who are single, and don't forget, women have each other. I always say that women are actually are each other's human wonder bras, uplifting, supportive, and making each other look bigger and better. And I really believe in the sisterhood. And women are good at friendships and we're good at nurturing our friendships. And as long as you've got a gaggle of great gals to go out with and go to the theatre with and go to galleries and go walking with and all of that, then you, you're getting a lot of friendship nourishment so it's not as though you're going to be on your own. And, you know, I've got three sisters, so we're, we've got inbuilt, deep, fabulous friendships. Um, so, look, if you, if you have a, a – if, you, if your marriage can last, if it hasn't passed its amuse-by date, you have won life's lottery, haven't you? Mm-hmm. But I think you also are allowed to say to yourself, I can have a great second act. You know, women always put ourselves last. We eat the burnt chop. We never take the window seat on the plane. You know, we never have, we always, always put ourselves last in every single way you can think of. But, you know, once you do go through the menopause and once the kids are fledged, why can't you just say, you know what, this is my time. I'm not going to be decorative and demure anymore. I'm going to actually 
claim my space and do what I want to do. And you deserve it. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't let your guilt gland throb. You know, you, you've paid your dues. So my, my other motto is, you know, adventure before dementia, carpe the hell out of DM. <laughs> but you strike me as the, and I'm, you know, tell me I'm wrong, but as the kind of personality who has always had that chutzpah. I mean, you don't become a best-selling author at the age of 21 unless you really got something, you know, very powerful within you. Not everyone has that. Well, yes, but I think you don't really grow into your real self until you are the postmenopause. Really? Because you don't have to be polite anymore. You don't any longer care what people think about you. And a lot of my women friends say that too. They don't feel they they came, became their true selves until they went through the menopause, turned 60, and just got a, you know, it actually starts to happen around 50 where you think, oh, you get a kind of, can I swear? Yeah. You get a kind of fuck it on 50 gene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, I think that's when women become their true selves. So uh, there's a lot to look forward to. And just that thing about not caring what people think about you is so liberating for women because we've always cared. All the research shows that when a man and woman start talking at the same time, the woman always pulls back because we're taught to be polite. Women at work suffer from what they call princess syndrome, where we think if we work really hard, someone will notice that we've worked really hard and come out and give us a tiara and go, you a princess where men will burst into the office and go I'm fabulous crown me I want to be king <laughs> but we're too polite but then I mean well I don't know if this happens if this started has started happening to you Kay but I I find myself now I'll be thinking something like if I'm, a, if I'm in a queue and someone's being really annoying at the front faffing around at the bank you know at the automatic teller and taking forever and and I'm thinking oh for God's sake, could they hurry up? What could they possibly be doing, you know? And then I'll think, you know, we have, most of us have got a life to get on with. And I'll suddenly think, oh, sugar, I just said that out loud. <laughs> I'm saying out loud what I was thinking, you know, which is really new territory for females. <laughs> well, Karen has always done that, it has to be said. She's the queen of it. Oh, I know, but I don't mean to do it. It's not, I don't suppose anyone means to do it. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> yes, we won't go back to that. Instance. No, don't. No, no. Don't. My sister got in touch with me after and said, what the hell did you say? Yeah, I know. I've, I've got one little story that I just wave at Karen oh. and, and she crumbles when she said something that she shouldn't have. And I'm, look, look at her, look at her, look no, at her body horrible. language. Yeah, yeah, sorry, hi. It's okay. I know. And I, I love your friendship because you are each other's human wonder bras. Look at you. <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> By the way, talking about bras, do you still wear your 32 double D? Yes. And you know, because you're looking quite very slender, can I just say? But but your chest is, is yeah, yeah, set up for that. Go, yeah, yeah. I, I got fitted for a proper bra, bra for the first time in my life, and uh, Karen was very reluctant to accept that was a 32 double D. Um, but I'm very proud of the fact for no good reason narrow whatsoever. Back. The narrower the back is, the, she's always going to pull it away from me. Why can't you just say giant jugs? Because <laughs> eh? it would be a big lie, a big fat lie. <laughs> but you know, the flip side of. I I often wear a wonder bra because, you know, I always think more than a mouthful's of waist. But the reason (laughs) it's called a wonder bra is because when you take it off, you wonder where the hell you (laughs) do. It's quite. (laughs) No, I'm going to plug away at this thing because I really, really, really want to buy into your vision of women postmenopausal, not caring what anyone thinks, getting out there, carpe the hell out of diem, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) But the other story we hear is of women feeling invisible. as they become 
older. And I wonder how much of that is down to perhaps invisible to men. And for a lot of women, and I mean, this goes right back to your first book at Puberty Blues, doesn't it? For a lot of women, they kind of value themselves in terms of how they are regarded by men. And we're kind of taught, conditioned to do that. Well, it makes me so crazy the sexist ageism that older women face. First of all, you were talking about beauty pageants earlier. I think women suffer from facial prejudice. We get judged on our looks in a, in a way that men don't. You know, um, for women, wordplay is foreplay. A guy who's funny and makes, makes us laugh, we just find that so sexy. But whenever they do research between men and women, what we find attractive in each other, women nearly always put sense of humour first because it's also a sign of intelligence, and we put looks down about 10th. Men always, you know, when generally speaking, they put looks first, personality down about 10th. So we we suffer this facial prejudice our whole lives, but um, it's a diminishing asset beauty. You know, wit can get sharper, whereas beauty is it, it can only fade. Um, and I, I makes me so angry that um, the sexist ages in the, in Britain and, and in well, most countries in the West that eighty five percent of people on British television over fifty are men. Women just get put out to pasture because we're no longer seen as feckened, you know. Mm. And we get called old bags and hags and old crones, whereas a man our age is a silver fox. <laughs> we get told what we can't wear. You're not allowed to show your bare arms. I mean, you know, women have a right to bare arms. <laughs> you're not allowed to wear a miniskirt. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. Like it's like the it's like the fashion fascist always telling women what we can and can't wear, whereas men, you never hear a man described as mutton dressed as ram, mm-hmm. do you? No. <laughs> no. And the way they can have younger wives and girlfriends, whereas like the good Trump and, and Melania, there's a 25 years of age gap. And then you look at Macron and Bridget and there's a 25-year age gap in the other direction, which is a scandal. Mm. So, you know, it's we have a still a lot to fight against mm. and, and the pressure on women to have cosmetic surgery to stay young. I, I resist that. I think, like, you know, men should read between my lines, my facial lines. It's all there, the books, the babies, the hours of fun-loving flirtation or whatever. But I am in the minority. Most of my women friends, they have, they have the Botox and and, they, and, and I understand why? Because I think aging to women is like kryptonite to Superman. You know, you show me a woman who's happy with her age and I'll, I'll show you the electroconvulsive therapy scorch marks. But, but, and they, and they also, a lot of women my age, I know I said that most divorces are initiated by, by women, but I also have female friends who've been traded in by their husbands mm-hmm. for younger women and they do anything they can then to stay young no matter how painful no matter how painful so I don't see them for a few weeks and I see these breasts coming down the high street and then they've got the lips you know that lips where they get the silicon it looks like they've got a vagina sutured to their face (laughs) (laughs) they take the fat out of their bottoms and inject it into their lips so they're literally talking out of their ass (laughs) (laughs) a lot about Hollywood doesn't it but then the other thing I hate I see them at the gym and they've waxed off all their body hair like trying to Mm. look like prepubescent girls and I'm like I mean, I like my pubic hair. It's like I have a little pet in my pants. Yeah. 
And I, I think we should just go out there and say loud and proud, you know, bring back bush and just find a guy who likes a little light bushwalking. <laughs> God, my, my, I do a program called Loose Women on ITV and my friend is Nadia Sawala is one of the um, – uh, panelist, and she will randomly shout out, "Bring back the bush!" It's one of her big. <laughs> For an Australian, it's even better, isn't it? Yeah. Let's get into the bush. <laughs> it's absolutely. Have you always been so bloody robust? I mean, do you ever have self doubt? Do you ever feel vulnerable? It doesn't. You know, I know we hardly know each other. We'll be chatting for twenty minutes, but you just seem a bit bomb proof. Oh, gosh, no, of course not. And and also don't forget I've got a, a, an autistic son. So I spend a lot of my time, you know, angst-ridden and traumatised about how to help him and how to adv- advocate for him and how to take care of him. Oh, no, no, I have, I definitely have a lot of vulnerable days, but I luckily have fantastic girlfriends and, and a wonderful daughter and these fabulous sisters and my dear mum is 91. So I have a lot of the sisterhood support around me, which, you know, I tap into regularly. And what I love about women when we're together is strip off to emotional undies in about 3.6 seconds and it's a psychological striptease that reveals all. And, you know, when you go on a girls' night out, everybody's laughing and laughing, carrying on, and then suddenly you're all hugging and crying. Mm-hmm. I love and then we can bounce back to laughing again. So luckily I do have a lot of um, girlfriends I can, I can whinge to. And then they make me laugh and I feel much better. But I think the reason I I don't forget, I guess I developed a bulletproof bra because I grew up in Australia in the 70s and 80s, which was pretty sexist. Hmm. And I also grew up as a surfy girl and the girls were so beautiful. You know, they had the blonde hair and the blue eyes and the and the perfect breasts and the long legs. And then they sort of proved that Barbie and Ken dolls did have sex and this was the project. And I'm a bonsai brunette whose bra cups do not runneth over. <laughs> I had to develop some other way of getting noticed. So I, I just um, learned to be qu- quippy, you know, quick. I call it quiplash, you know, all the black belt and tongue foo. And and women are good at that anyway. We know that women are more verbally dexterous than men. We use about 500 more words in our daily vocabulary than blokes do. So it's a good skill to all women should hone mm. is to be able throw out a lethal one-liner you're both very good at that you're very good at quiplash both of you so I think it was that because we're not blonde and gorgeous Oh, well, you're both, darling, witty and annoying. But, you know, I'm so glad you you kind of came to that a a little bit because I I was saying to you earlier, and Karen and I both saw this, we're obviously trying to find out more. Well, we obviously we we know who Cathy Lett is, but, you know, doing a bit of digging as professional people that we are. Um, And Puberty Blues, which was you 21 when that was published? Uh, came out. I wrote when I was eighteen, nineteen. Came out when I was twenty or nineteen, I think. The book, the film, came out when I was twenty-one. Right. Um, so that that was, you know, an absolute bestseller, sort of smash as a, as a film as well. And as you say about that surfy culture and that very sexist um, culture that that you kind of grew up in, where the blokes basically you know, sexually were very kind of dominant and you either went along with it or you were discarded. Is that basically it? Yeah. Um, the girls were really a life support system to a pair of breasts. That was it. Yeah. Did, do you think that really did shape a fundamental part of your personality in that you thought, right, okay, I am going to have to be something else. I am going to have to be bulletproof to survive this. 
Totally. And, but I, and I, but I had a good girlfriend too. It always boils down to you female friends. Like I wasn't alone. I had a girl, another girlfriend who thought like me. So we could, you know, we had, I had that camaraderie because you do need that. Um, so I, I wrote Puberty Blues really just for all the other surfy girls to give them some objectivity about what was happening to them. And I had no idea it was going to become an overnight cult sensation um not a cult even it was every 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 household had two copies the kids were reading it with the torch under the bedspread going oh my god this is my life and the parents are upstairs reading it going oh my god is that my children it's kind of double double sales but I, I didn't ever think it was going to become such a huge phenomenon but it was so raw and so honest and I mean just to give you an idea of how sexist the boys were I grew up with they used to get us to cut their names out in paper sticky tape it to our stomachs then sunbake so we get a tan tattoo oh my tape of their name so if ever i get cancer i'll have a melanoma called bruce <laughs> oh my <laughs> god yeah. not something you could ever do in scotland obviously <laughs> but yeah and and they were they were really sexist and but the sexism wasn't just in the surfy world i mean even when i started so by the time I was 21, I had a book out and I had a film had just been made and I had a newspaper column. And then I got asked into a television station to see if I wanted to come and start working on television. This was my job interview. I, I sat down. There were five guys in front of me, all television executives. I'm 20, 22 by the stage, I think. One of them slapped $10 on the table and said, yeah, I bet I can make your tits move without touching them. And I just went, yeah, whatever. He leant over, mauled my breast, said, ha, 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 you won, there's the $10. Oh my and I immediately said, not being green, you know, I immediately said, I bet you 20 bucks I can make your balls move without touching them and kicked him between the legs. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> not the job. But yeah. what a job interview. I mean, today you have a sexual harassment claim, but in the, in the 80s there was no such thing. Yeah. You just had to learn to deal with these Neanderthals. So, and I think that's where I kind of, honed my 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 that's why I forged my armor the yeah. most but you know I mean obviously we can well we're laughing about that aren't we and and you had a fabulous response and you know it kind of all well that end well but actually mm. for so many women and I would also argue for a lot of men who actually weren't that comfortable in that culture but felt no option but to fit in or else they would be outcasts so I, I don't think it was helpful for men or women there were a lot of casualties of that culture. Yeah. Which is why the Me Too movement's been so fabulous because the top order predators are still there. They've crawled under a rock, but they're still there. And we have to be vigilant about back and you know what what depresses me a bit is I think we feminists have been saying the same thing since I was a teenager you know that we want equal pay and we want to be treated equally in every way and it's not going to change until these men you're talking about join us at the barricades you know they never not enough of them come on the marches turn up even my gay male friends, I keep saying, we turned up for you. You know, we we came on your marches and got new equality, but you, I never see you on our marches. So, and I don't think it's though women are asking for that much. Equal pay. There's not one country in the world that has gender equality, by the way, not one. So I think, you know, equal pay would be great. We'd like men to sort of um, 
also help us at home because there's a second glass ceiling at home and that, you know, I'd say women, even though we make up 50% of the workforce, we're still doing, what do you reckon, 99.9% of all housework and the childcare. So I think men need to realise that, um, you know, it's, it's actually it's actually in their interest to help us more in the house because it's scientifically proven no woman ever shot her husband while he was vacuuming, you know. <laughs> And, um, you know, we'd like them to work out that mutual orgasm is not an insurance company. That would be lovely. And just do a little light cooking. I don't know about you you girls, but I just think a man in a cooking apron, is that's the ultimate aphrodisiac, right? What does a woman really want in bed? Breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Karen, with your daughters, is it changing? Oh, I think so, yeah. yes. With my daughters. No, no, I mean, well, with their male friends. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, they're, you've just got one that's just got married. Yeah, no, they are totally equal uh, in terms of cooking and housework. And Wonderful. Yeah, no, absolutely. Wonderful. And I think uh, with um, the other one, um, I don't think she can have anyone in her life for m- much longer than... I don't know. She's got she's got definite expectations, and uh, none of them have come up to that level yet. So uh, <laughs> she's still looking. But she obviously her. feels confident enough to have expectations. Oh my god! And yeah. to demand some te- Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like the way that generation, my daughter's friends, you know, there's zero tolerance to sexism. And whereas I think my our generation, Kay, we were definitely sometimes we'd smile smile p- kind of politely instead of punching him. You know, yeah, we um, were complicit. We would, we would, we weren't. I wouldn't say complicit. That that sounds as though we condoned it, but we were. Um, I'd say we were sort of, yeah, sort of hostage situation. Yeah. We, were, we were in their world, and and it was a patriarchal world, and sometimes we just took an easier option. Mm. Well, I suppose even if you think of the phrase "a man's world," which we used to sort of employ in various sort of contexts, didn't we? Um, I don't know if you would use that phrase now. I can't think of a relevant. I can't see myself casually in conversation saying, "Oh, it's a man's world." No, would you? It's funny, isn't it? Although it still is, you know. I mean, in lots of ways. I think we need to say to men now: we don't want your seats on the bus. We want your seats on the board. We need yeah. more women on boards. We need more women in politics. We need. We just need more women on television. Television over 50. We just need more women, basically. So. I have to say, I still have a constant discussion, debate, argument, call it what you want, with Stephen. Probably, that's my partner, oh, I would say once a month that comes back up to the fore in terms of the housework. We both know which rooms we're supposed to do. And yay, after the argument, it all works. And then it drifts off again. And I'm not prepared to get a cleaner in, right? Because I'm actually quite happy doing the housework, but I'm not doing his share of it. And so this is, it's a, we need to kind of get through this because I don't, it's just like it's not important to him. And then I think, am I right to be, you know, oh, if it's not important to him, oh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it it, it just doesn't go away. It should be important to him. That's the thing. Uh, uh-huh. if it, if he, it, him not saying that's not important to him and not caring that's important to you. Well, no, he, he's it, not said that. It's just that I suppose that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. 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 No, no, it, it, it is it is infuriating. And it's great that your daughter has married a, a guy who is um, domestically inclined, but research shows it's it's not 
happening. It's not the general scenario. Women are still doing way too much. And I, I used to say to my own husband, you've got to help me more around the house, you know. He'd be like, well, I'd like to help, but I'm a man and I can't multitask. Oof. And I think all women have heard that. And this is a biological cop-out because no man would have any trouble multitasking at, say, an orgy. so that doesn't wash that's just leave excuse so what about in your relatively new relationship Uh, how long have you been with your new partner about four five years now i think yeah did you set out different ground rules no he's domestic he's i don't do anything now it's fabulous we're role reversal he's a nurturer he loves to cook I don't even have to go into the kitchen anymore because I mean I put it I'm such a bad cook I use my smoke alarm as a timer <laughs> and, I, and I have found a man I mean I really I'm so lucky and I, I I deserve it, girls. Come on. <laughs> you do. You do, and Kathy. I, you know that book, Where the Wild Things Are? I want to write a book that's called Where the White Things Are. Mm. That fiction is not my natural habitat. And you know, having raised two kids and cooked three meals a day forever, I'm very happy not to be ever, ever have to go into that, that area again. So, and then, yeah, I think just, and a lot of men do like cooking. You just mm. need to encourage them to bloody will do it mm-hmm. yeah and so you don't feel you settled into that really nicely you don't have any residual feeling of oh my god i should be more domestic oh god no 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 this is the lovely thing about being over 60 is just thinking it's being a bit selfish you just get a little bit more bullshit a little bit more selfish a little bit more like a bloke actually and it's mm-hmm. fabulous no wonder men are so happy you know mm-hmm. I and mean, that's a little bit of the testosterone that just makes you makes you, you know, just it allows you to just, you know, just be selfish for the first time in your life and that allows you also to have a fantastic second act. Mm-hmm. I just say to women, go forth and be fabulous. If not now, when? Well, God, yeah, time pressure is on. Mm-hmm. It's funny though you say that going back and then we're going to play a quick game of uh, Big Six or Bingo and then we'll let you go. But, I mean, as you say, a lot of guys, funnily enough, my niece, uh, early 30s, married to an Australian man, as it happens. Um, got a tan tattoo. Uh, so got, no, no, no. He is the most wonderful young guy. He loves cooking. He's much better in the house than she is. He's a rugby boy. He's a big, handsome lad. You know, he's kind of the real deal. He's absolutely wonderful. So he's yeah. living in a world that allows him to be that, which is great but also women have to live in a world that allows them not to be domestic my mum was not a domestic creature Mm -hmm. I am not a domestic creature Mm -hmm. I will cook because I have to feed my children and myself but you know it's not me it's not what I want to be and I I really I don't think women should feel a pressure to be domestic and I don't think men should feel a pressure not to be domestic Exactly. Mm. I think any woman who says she gets high on housework has inhaled way too much cleaning product. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but but see, feminism has achieved all this. Feminism is good for men too because it allows them to break out of that harsh stereotypical role of having to be strong and not vulnerable and the breadwinner and macho. So, you know, it, it's... Feminism is just about allowing people to be themselves, about having choice and also equality. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, right, this is, we've got 50 random questions here and uh, Nathan is with us and he's going to computer generate. It's going to be marvellous. Um, oh, what number so this is, is number it? 25, 25. And it is, how far ahead do you look, Kathy? Mm. Oh, I, I live totally in the moment. Totally, always. Um, and I and I, I don't look forward and I don't really look back. And that the only bad thing about not looking back is that I sometimes forget who I've got a grudge against. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> I think you wrote a bad review of my book, but I can't remember. So oh, let's just forget it and be friends, you know. <laughs> so it has its good and bad side. God, I'm so like that. I can't remember. Are you? Yeah, yeah. I thought you'd hold a grudge and know exactly who it would be no, forever. I, can, I never hold a grudge because I can't remember who <laughs> it was and it doesn't really matter. But I just wonder that you might look further ahead in another way in that your mum, as you say, is 91. She seems to be a very formidable character. I, I wondered if that gave you kind of confidence to, to Carpe Diem and you think, oh, my mum's 91, she's still brilliant. I've got a good 30 years in me. Yeah, I suppose, because her mother lived to 101. Good. So I'm, feeling, I'm hoping I've got the same designer genes, shall we say. But, um, yes, I suppose it's, I mean, I'm lucky that she's still alive. I think when you lose your last pa- parent is probably when you do feel very vulnerable. And I think that must be such a huge uh, hurdle. I mean, I'm, I'm dreading it. I can't even think about when I don't have my darling mother. Because she has been such an incredible um, role model because she was a teacher, she was a headmistress, and that was her vocation at a time when women didn't really work. She was the only one of my in my friend group at school who had a had a job. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't common in the in the in the sixties. So she, we always knew we four girls knew we were always going to stand on our own two stilettos, and we weren't going to be wait we weren't going to wait to be rescued by some knight in shining Armani. Mm. Independent individual women. So, what a great gift she gave me, as well as the gift of three fabulous sisters. So, um, I, I try not to look look beyond every day. I we, we do the crossword every day from Australia. We I Skype her, and we laugh and tell jokes and have a great time. And I I try not to think beyond. Yeah. You know, I don't want to think about when she's not there. Yeah. What a horrible. But I can, I can think if you're you know if you're thinking you've got thirty years ahead of you. That's another good reason not to stay in a relationship with one, you know, could you imagine another 30 years living (laughs) with the same person that you liked, but just actually made you miserable, or at least you were miserable with? That is enough to just think, right, I'm out. Yeah, you need the age lifetime replacement therapy. Yeah. 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 Are you thinking out loud, Karen? (laughs) 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 Right, one more number between one and 50. Oh, yeah, well, this one, I, I know the answer to this one. It's number 47, which is, are you visible? Which is obviously the opposite of, are you invisible? Are you visible? Well, I think that women over over 50 feel they're wrapped in the invisible man's bandages because we're, we're deemed to have passed our use-by date. So I'd say to all women, be loud, you know, be vis- make yourself visible, you know, be, be, be just when, wherever you are, whether you're at a dinner party or whether you're at work or whatever, make sure your opinions are heard. You know how that awful thing always happens when you're in a meeting and you say something and nobody picks it up and then five seconds later a man says and they all go, oh, my God, you're a genius. <laughs> and we quietly see. No, you say very loudly, volume up. You say, I'm so glad you picked up on what I said a few minutes ago, you know, 
own it, claim it, refuse to be invisible, you know, because we've got so much to say and we've got so much to share. We've got so many experiences, so much wit, so much wisdom, you know, just hurl it around the place. Why not? (laughs) Love it. it. (laughs) If you can't be visible, be audible. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Kathy, what a joy it's been to speak to you. Thank you so much. It's lovely lovely. to to see you both. And I wish I was sitting there in the studio and now we could go out and have a wonderful girls' night out and stand me with a cocktail. And you could smell my perfume. (laughs) And I could snip your neck, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note. (laughs) Thanks for the diary. (laughs) All right, take care now. Bye, Kathy. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh, that was fun. I feel a lot better after that. And if you enjoyed Kathy Let's Quippery, then do check out her website and you can find out all about our books and what she is up to. Happy birthday to Carol up there in Horney. I hope you had a lovely, lovely time. Um, and I hope the clearing out is going well. If you had a sudden urge um, that came over you when you were 60, do get in touch. Podcast at htb60.com. Next week, we are joined by the lovely Debbie McGee. And if you're worried about the noises off, I am in a toilet in a restaurant in Soho. I'm not even kidding. <laughs>